project resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code, Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education. Created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information, and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10-CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with with medicalcodinggeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use promo code GEEK15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup, H-A-U-G-E-N group.com slash shop and use our promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K-1-5 at checkout. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to Do Not to Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. Over 70% of the listeners of this podcast listen on Apple Podcasts and also have an iPhone, of course. So please go to the Apple Podcast app on your iPhone and leave our podcast a five-star rating and even leave a brief review. As of right now, we are at 42 ratings. And since last week, we had a listener who left us a review. This comes from SP number one. Great podcast with a wonderful interviewer. Great guests, meaningful conversations in the business of healthcare space. Thank you for that review, SP number one. Please check out this podcast on Facebook and Instagram at NEC Podcast. We also have a Facebook group. And of course, you could follow me, Brian Kui, last name is spelled C-U-I, on LinkedIn. On today's podcast, we have Bertram Lansico. 
And in this first part of our interview, we talk about how he positioned himself into recruiting and how he flourished into being a director. We talk about how he leveraged his background in marketing. We talk about Facebook groups. He talks about how he got banned in Facebook groups. And we talk about how you should be engaging in social media to promote yourself. So without further ado, here is the first part of my interview with Bertram Lansico. Enjoy. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. I have here today a special guest. Everybody's special, but but this is my first uh recruiter on the podcast i've always have medical coders him people cdi people um and other people but i never had a recruiter and i've always been eyeballing recruiters but but uh we initially well first of all let, let's let's introduce our guest bertram lansico how are you bertram i'm doing fantastic brian all right um i remember when we tried to set up this uh podcast long time ago uh was trying to do it in person <laughs> because we you're were. in Tampa. Uh, yes. I live over right by Disney. And uh, I thought 2020 was going to be the year where I go out and start recording people. Let me show you. Let me show you what I got here. I always show this to everybody. I bought this thing right here to travel Ooh. with me. And I bought microphones so you could use them. I bought, you know, I bought this this thing here so you could use them. And now I'm using them. So it's like, correct. You know, my my plan for for 2020 was to mm. do a lot of um, in person uh, recordings of the podcast. And one place since we live in Flo- since we live in Florida is Tampa. Tampa, and I, I mentioned this with Tony L. Holmes. It seems like Tampa is is a big hub for uh at least from what i've seen him recruiting coding recruiting there's a lot of people in tampa uh when i look at my um my analytics for the podcast and even on linkedin uh, if you look at your linkedin uh insights uh as soon as i post something tampa st petersburg (laughs) and i could always i could always guess you know what? They're probably recruiters or probably recruiters that I've, I've connected with uh, in that realm. Anyways, right. so we connected on multiple platforms, LinkedIn. Uh, I've seen you a lot in Facebook groups. Uh, I followed your story. We talked about it for a little bit until I told you to stop because I want to keep it on. I want to record it because uh, <laughs> you were about to, 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 to spill it out right before I hit the record. But I'm like, yo, you got to stop. Um, so, yes. yeah, I'm, I'm very glad to have you on. Uh, we def you have definitely have a from what I followed in in your social media a great transition uh, from working to corporate building your own business. But again, we could always talk about recruiting what everybody wants or what everybody's looking for. Um, but yeah, uh, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, Thanks for having me, Brian. And I know we've been going back and forth, and I think. Um, I remember actually vaguely, uh, it was probably two years ago, close to when I actually started my, my own company, Renowned Talent. I reached out to you. I'm like, Brian, I have a story to tell. You know? and, we're, and you're like, hey, let, let's, see, let's see how it goes. And I started producing some content. And then I think it was, yeah, close to earlier this year, we were like, hey, let's, let's really do this. You know, let's really get on a podcast. And I'm really glad that I had that chance to practice because it takes a lot to 
let's say get on a get on a platform or start doing social or start doing speaking and be able to keep it consistent um so i've been able definitely being able to get some reps in but Thank you for having me, and I'm really looking forward to speaking with you today. Yeah, I've seen you on a couple uh, interviews on, uh, I think, like some APC meetings, uh, CCO, I think CCO, right? You were on CCO. Mm -hmm. You've been on on many platforms where you've been interviewed and talked about recruiting. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad to have you on our initial plan. Remember our initial plan. My, the reason why that, uh, that, um, I'm always going back to what we were planning. Um, I went to Tampa for in November. It was November or December. Cause I did a run, uh, the hot chocolate run by Tampa Bay. I said, while I'm here, let me, let me try and get some people here. And, uh, just out of the whim, just just try to see if anybody would come or anybody would open. Because I was at the Tampa Convention Center. I'm like, man, this is a beautiful place to just mm-hmm. to just do it. Uh, you know, big open wide space. Um, and I connected with you afterwards. In I would like to say early in the year, I said, let's do it, let's do it, let's set up it in February, something like that. And uh, we planned to go to the mall. <laughs> planned to go to the mall. Um, I know you wanted like I, I, if I had to go, my family has to go. So like somewhere they had to. Too. Yeah, you told me like let's go to the mall, let's uh let's do it there. I'm like yeah, let's do it. And then all of a sudden, COVID. COVID nineteen. How great is that? You know. So yes. I'm glad. And then and then of course we have Zoom. So you know what? I, I, let's just do it through Zoom. And then later on we'll do a follow up podcast in person. Correct. For sure. So yeah. at least to have that. All right. So let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to start off with the first question is, and you can go anywhere you want to go with this. This is your platform. Uh, Bertram, where did you come from and how did you get to where you're at today? You know, for me, in get, getting involved in HIM, as it may be for a lot of folks after they go through college and, you know, they do all of those things, um, I stumbled into HIM. Um, I started working, my degrees in marketing, and I was in marketing, but I got laid off close to 2007, 2008. And then I got involved in a healthcare company. And I was looking for healthcare because during 2000, 2000, 2007, 2008, we all realized just how fragile job security really is. So I was like, well, maybe if I got involved, let's say doing marketing or something in a larger company, in a healthcare type company, possibly that can kind of help with my job security. While working for that company, I fell in love with recruiting. I got to know the recruiters. I I wasn't doing recruiting. I was actually doing billing enrollment. So somewhat close to coding, but billing enrollment, right? Just when the doctors would sign the different forms uh, for uh, for the payers. But I was doing billing enrollment, but I used to work with the recruiters and I just really love their energy. I love um, just their work and how they're able to work from home sometimes and just really have relationships in all forms of the organization and all levels of the organization. And I was like, you know what? I want to be a recruiter. But after I chased that dream for three or so years, I just kept on hearing the same thing, the same thing that many entry-level coders complain about and talk about, right? How can you get a job if no one's really giving give you that first opportunity, that first chance? And that's when I learned the thing that just really opened doors for a lot of folks. And it can open doors for a lot of you if you're really struggling and looking to get that first job opportunity. I had a renowned referral. I, uh, I was just talking to the receptionist and she was heavily underemployed. I mean, she was a manager of like different Walgreens, like a district manager of different Walgreens and doing all of these things, but she was a receptionist. And she said, hey, Bertram, I know you want to be a recruiter and I know you're having a hard time, but my husband that works at this recruiting company, he does sales, but he can possibly help you. He needs a recruiter. So I said, you know what? Since I only need experience, it doesn't necessarily matter what 
job I work for um, or the company I work for. Really, I just need to find the place I can get my experience. My plan was to go out, get experience, and I love the company so much and all the team members I was working with, hopefully to come back. But in me pursuing my dream, that was cut off because as I found and actually got that job, mostly through the referral, but also from me being very driven and interviewing very well for that company, um, my manager sent out an, an, an email saying, effective immediately, Bertram is no longer working for the company. So even though I put three and a half years of sweat, blood, and tears into this organization, and I, and I loved everybody. And you know what? If I was like fired and I didn't necessarily do a good job, that's something. But sometimes, and unfortunately, when you're leaving an organization, um, they say don't burn bridges, but it doesn't mean that they won't light a, light a fire on their end, right? Yeah. But I said, you know what? Now I cannot go back to that employer. I just have to really like make this job work. And I didn't know anything about recruiting. I didn't have one day of experience. <laughs> I was mentored by some of the folks and I spoke with them and I interviewed quite a few people in my office that I was working for. But then I got started in this office doing recruiting and it was interesting. It was almost like a movie script when, you know, like when the new guy comes to town, like an old Western and people are like, or, or I don't know, the, the prison block mm -hmm. and people are like dead man walking. Yeah. Dead man walking. And what they mean is, and what, and what it meant was, and people didn't necessarily say that, but I kind of got that vibe. I got that energy. What it meant was, even if people had five to 10 to 15 years of experience, many people did not get medical coding recruiting. They couldn't understand the certifications and verifying it. They couldn't understand what's the difference between pro-free and hospital. They couldn't understand if your resume has inpatient medical coder, that doesn't necessarily mean hospital-based or facility inpatient coding just folks could not get it and here am i like you know young guy just just saying hey i'm going to blow it up and I actually told my boss during the interview if i did not become one of the highest performers i would actually res i would i would fire myself and turn my resignation <laughs> after six months I, I cannot make this up true story but what was interesting was I believe that just everything happened for a reason. You know, I, I got involved and within three months I started hiring people like crazy. I kind of learned and we kind of had this, this client that every two to three months they would hire like a group of 30 people. So no one told us to do this, but what I did was I pipelined. I started saying, hey, if you're looking for a remote job and if you can wait two to three months, I can likely get you in if you have this experience and this credential. Um, and I, I just, I unloaded and I just started recruiting, but it just, for anyone who's listening and anyone who's having a hard time, I'm telling you, you just have to continue pushing. Yes, it took you four years to get your degree, your credentials, and all those things. It may take you just as long just to get that first job to really push and start your, your experience. But this is the thing, and I always tell people, you have to realize that experience is golden. Once you have, as example, coding experience, you can then take that to other employers, not just the employer or the one that's local to you or the, or the local health system that you're trying to get in. Um, but what I, what I found was the recruiting that I was doing with an HIM was even probably better than the recruiting I was doing with, um, that I would have done with the, with my former employer because that was more physician recruiting. Mm -hmm. That was definitely at the time more in person. That was definitely a lot more travel. And as well as me pursuing my dreams, my, my wife now fiance at the time, she was also pursuing her dental hygiene degree. So with her being English as a second language, having a remote job and a job that I was able to stay within the Tampa Bay area and helping her to study and those types of things really helped out in the, in the best way. So I'd also advise everybody who's really struggling and trying to find their way 
you may it may be best to be open to to more opportunities because you may even find even a better opportunity. Um, so I was a peak performer there for a few years, and then uh, a company reached out to me and they said, "Hey, Bertram, we'd love for you to to come and help us recruit." And I said, "Well, I can't do that because I'll be a conflict of interest." Mm. And I didn't even realize what was going on. I spent so much time recruiting. I didn't even realize when I was being recruited. And then, you know, the gentleman said, uh, like, hey, let's have a let's have a conversation um, offline when you're not working. So I spoke with this gentleman and then they flew me to Tennessee. And then within a short period of time, I became a director of recruiting Wow! with only four years of experience. Helped them ramp up for ICD-10. And I work with them all up to 45 days before they sold a big portion of their company to 3M mm. uh, for a billion dollars. Wow. But it was funny, all like it was like a year or so I just got this little calling inside of me before that transition. And, it, and you know, just something was telling me, Birch, you need to go out, you need to start your own company. You need to go out and you start your own company. And I'm just like, why? Like, why would I leave? Like, this is actually what I was looking for. I had a, I had a director level position, um, making decent money, really good salary, working from home. You know, I was traveling as many, as many times as I really wanted to the, to the different conferences and stuff, you know, being able to see people. Um, got really good, close working relationships with people like the CEO of the organization who's worked for many, um, you know, billion-dollar companies and such. I mean, uh, and Modal, the company I was working for, I mean, they were making moves. We didn't have as many, let's say, coders as some other competitors, but what we were able to do in three years was definitely very impressive to what other companies probably took, let's say, 20 years for them to build. Um, but that was just a magical time, and that's the thing. When it comes to recruiting and also each in, in everyone's career, you're going to realize when you have those magical times, like it wasn't just the, the money and all of those things. It was also the person I was working very closely to not only became a really good professional friend, but a personal and family friend as well. Um, and, you know, a mentor and just like people that I can call and say, Hey, I'm having, I'm having an issue. Like, could you kind of help me or could you lend your expertise? So it was not just a financial, it was, it was just really a good place. And I was, Anybody who's been a manager, you know how long it takes for you to find like all of your best players and bring them together. And you have like a 90s, you know, 1990s like Bulls team. Like I had that team. Oh. <laughs> so I also had a team of recruiters. I was watching, that everybody... I'm, I'm in the middle of watching the, the last dance on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. And it takes time for you to find that team. But once you find that team and you know, like, hey, if I'm gone for a week or two weeks or three weeks, like I don't have to worry about anything. Like, once you have that team and you have a really good number two that I did, I was like, man, I don't want to walk away from this. But, you know, as they say, you have to be willing to walk away from the good to get to the great, you know? And, and I also realized that at the time that I left, we had the, the least amount of openings. You know, I didn't have to do as much recruiting as I did when I first started. When I first started with our organization, they didn't have a team. So I was doing all of the recruiting that I love, but I always wanted to be in a place where I can train or have people that I can depend on and allow them to do the recruiting. You know, as, uh, as managers and bosses and as company owners, we can always step in and save the day. But like the Justice League or, you know, the Avengers, it's good when you have a team that can also save the day as well. It doesn't always have to be the lead person. And once you just have that, you know, it's always, uh, you know, interesting. But I knew, let's say I had a dozen people working for me at that time that if I had my own organization, I could have hundreds of people working for us and really making a bigger difference. And that's what it was really all about. Me starting my own company wasn't about being a CEO, wasn't about entrepreneurship. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. It's not as sexy as a lot of you may think. It was actually about making an impact. It was about how can I actually help people? 
Because if I'm only working for one organization as a recruiter um, and as a corporate recruiter, you're really only able to help that employer grow and be fantastic and find really good people. But I wanted to help not just the candidates find really good jobs with other employers, but I wanted to help other clients, other hospitals, other health systems. And I actually asked many times, like, hey, could we work with this employer and help them find good people if they're not open to doing staffing with our organization? Um, you know, so, you know, sometimes we're waiting for that person to tap on our shoulder and say, let's go. Um, but a little Bible reference for some of you, just like Moses, you know, when Moses actually was going back to Egypt, you know, God told him like, hey, Moses, you don't have to worry about it because I already sent your brother Aaron on the way. And what it, me what it meant for me, and it was, it was a bigger lesson for me than the parting of the, of the Red Sea. What it means is that we're actually going to meet the people like Brian, right? And like other people that are really going to help you do this journey when you start the journey. But a lot of us were waiting at home for the person to come and say, hey, I already got the car loaded. Like, let's go. Like, hey, maybe you need to start in your car or whatever car or vehicle that you have. You start your journey. And that's when you're going to meet the people. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. Every time it comes to a conference, and since we've been a very young business, it's very expensive to go. You know, it's, it's different than well, like when it's sponsored by your company compared to like you actually paying your way yeah. to go in the room and everything. Mm -hmm. And every time, like my wife and I were looking at it, like, should we do it? Like, like, cause we can go and we can spend thousands of dollars and we can get nothing from it or we can go and it can be an amazing opportunity. And from each one, we can actually trace back the exact clients and relationships we've been able to build from attending a conference to show and those types of things. And once again, it's the same principle. It's about us going, you know, with the belief and with the faith that something's going to happen rather than you going and you having concrete you're like, oh, I'm going to meet this person and we're going to sign this deal. Even if I've had some of that and I've tried some of that business development as well, they, they left a day early than oh, when I arrived. Wow. Like those things always happen, you know, because you know, I mean, people are running their own businesses and running their lives and family. But that's, but that's where we're at today with Renowned Talent. So you, you have a background in, in, in marketing, right? Mm -hmm. So that's your, that's your degree. When you, I guess, landed that, that job in recruiting, how did your marketing skills and, and education kind of fit in in terms of being a recruiter? Why, well, I guess well, let's start off with this first question. I think you probably answered it. But why did you want to become a recruiter in the first place? So I wanted to be a, become a recruiter because I realized that the positions that I had prior, I was too low on the totem pole, everyone. Mm. I was way too low. And when you're low on the, on the totem pole, think about it almost as being like the hardest worker ant or worker bee. You are truly not that important. But like, let's say you were the soldier bee, and, and I, I'm not a biologist, all right? But from what I understand, they actually have these soldier bees. And what they do is they protect the queen. So they would actually stay close to the queen and they'll go wherever she goes. And like, those guys can't die. But those worker bees, you die out on the field. Yep. Hey, hey, Johnny didn't come home today. Yeah. But I wanted to be a part of an organization and have a level in an organization where if I made enough good effort and good product, that it would be recognized. And I did so well when I wasn't, you know, at that type of level, but it wasn't anything like, hey, we want you to have, you know, lunch with the CEO versus when I was heading up the recruiting at Emodal, we had many instances where we had actually lunch, dinner, and be on calls with the CEO. 
and it's not about like accolades and any of that, but it's like, you have to realize once you actually get in the sphere of those types of people and those types of people's influence, that's where the opportunities are going to come. That's where the promotions are going to come. But if you're working at the Lotus totem pole and all of a sudden, let's say your DNFB for your department is like zero, it's going to go straight to your manager. And I'm not saying that managers are not, are not good enough, but then they'll say, Oh yeah, can you, can you take your team out to lunch? No. I want to take Bertram. I want to take this individual actually helped us and did all of the work. You need to recognize this individual in front of everybody. As a manager, that's what I would do. But unfortunately, we can and we can probably all say that we've had experiences where that does not even happen. So this it sounded more like a, a positioning type of strategy that you wanted to be a recruiter, right? Correct. So um, and it sounds like based upon what you've told me, you throughout your career, you've been positioning yourself uh, in such a way that it gets you to the to the next level. Like, you did you know it right away? Or like, I mean, it's like playing chess. Like, did you know the next move? Like, if you became a recruiter, did you know what your next move was? I knew if I became a recruiter, my next possible move would be a director of recruiting. But when I was in the recruiting seat, I was just so happy being a recruiter. And there were folks on the team that were part of the company like close to 20 years so (laughs) i knew if a director position would come it would likely go to them even if they said hey bertram we want you to to be the director of recruiting you know we're starting this new department and we want you to be ahead of it i probably would have turned it down because out of respect for the team members that i that i work for um and i would have probably even gone as far to say because it was interesting even though recruiters are highly competitive And I'm talking like, you know, we can spit fire at each other, right? But we had a very high level of respect for each other as well. You know, like I wasn't just going to go ahead and recruit somebody's person if I knew that they've been working with them for a while. I would usually check with that person and say, hey, you know, I've seen you've been engaged with this person for a while. Um, Are you okay if I I picked up the ball where you left off, you know? Um, We just had a very high respect for each other. It doesn't mean that you're always going to get along with people, but once you're at those types of levels, you realize that you don't want to burn any bridges, even if it's not just with your manager or when you're putting in your two weeks notice, you want to treat people with respect because, ah, man, Brian, I'm telling you, like, we're just spitting some fire right now because what's going to happen. And this is why I believe like when you're going to ask me later about your word of the day or your, your last two, two words of advice, you have to realize that your reputation precedes you. That one recruiter that, let's say, I had angst with is going to go to another company and maybe they're like, hey, we're looking for somebody to, to, to start this new division or run or who would you like to hire from your former company if you have to pick one person? I want it to be that person that people will want to work with. Yeah, Bertram does great. He does fantastic. But also, he's fantastic to work with. Like if I said, hey, we, we need to go in a, in a different direction, there's some people that will cry and whine about it or there's some people that say, okay, let's go. Like, like, let's just pick up where we left off and let's keep on going. I want to be that person. Let's take a moment for a quick break. Hello, everybody. I want to thank you for listening. But I do want to take a quick moment to promote our partners who help support the podcast. Do you want to know who supports our podcast? You can go to our website, medicalcodinggeek.com slash partners. From there, you could find a list of our partners who help support the podcast, including the Haugen Consulting Group, Project Resume, RadRx, Find a Code, AccessAdoctor.com, ZipRecruiter, and so much more. 
So again, please support the podcast. We're doing great things. We want to expand. But please go to medicalcodinggeek.com slash partners. And now back to our show. So I'm going to I'm going to write down competition for a second because you brought up a good point. And it's not just in in recruiting, but also even in HIM and coding. So my next so going back to my my original question before I got to the original question, what uh, in terms of uh, how you got into recruiting and then you answer Well, to me, it felt like you wanted it's more of a strategy move for the next move. Uh, but let's go back to your background, marketing. When you got into the recruiting role, how did your skills and education and marketing kind of fit into recruiting? So this is interesting. When I got involved, I had three states that I had to uh, recruit from. It was um, like Iowa, North and South Dakota. And what's very interesting (laughs) was I was actually following up um, before someone that was one of the 10-year recruiters that's been at the company for 15 to 20 years. And I can tell you either the territory was completely recruited out, meaning everybody on our call list, they contacted multiple times or the individuals that were not contacted were working for one of our clients. So, you know, a lot of companies would have, you know, their recruiters not call their clients because you don't recruit from, you know, take computer to PayPal. So I was looking at my three states and I was calling, I was talking to the people that I was able to, but, I didn't have anybody to call, Brian. I didn't have anybody to call. And I also <laughs> didn't have any new people to, to bring to the organization. Mm-hmm. But just at that time, social media started to become more used and utilized and more. And, you know, we have to go back. Like, this is like 10 plus years ago, right? This is, this is like close to when or right after Facebook and the other social media platforms were born. So there was not even any rules or regulations on social media. So what I did was I said, hey, I see some, you know, I, I was smart. You know, I was like, hey, I see some coders from these three states on social media. Is it okay for me to reach out to them? And I was like, oh, I also see some people in some neighboring states, but I don't see them in our system. Can I also reach out to these people too? And I came to find out that for the organization I was working with, um, social media was open territory. Mm. So if, if, if somebody's in Minnesota in our system already in our system, I cannot call that person because they're not in one of my states. But if I find somebody from any state on social media, I can call on that person. So where am I, where am I going to put in my time? (laughs) It's like, I put my time. The the ocean's right there for you for the picking. There there you go. I had a lake over here and I had an ocean opportunity over here. And not only that, what what came from that is, and, and this is the thing, even though I was in marketing, everyone, mm-hmm. I didn't have social media recruiting experience in marketing. I don't even think at that time, like that type of thing was even happening. Right. And I got so many slaps on the hand from LinkedIn for posting jobs. And it was interesting, even the biggest medical coding groups and associations, some that Brian and I happen to speak to sometimes, I got banned from posting <laughs> in their groups. On social media. Oh, yeah. True story. Because I was posting jobs and I was just, and, 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 and you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest, like, yes, I was recruiting, but isn't it also a great way to promote the group? Like, hey, you can go in and every Monday or Tuesday, or whatever, you know, you can see jobs and opportunities. It's not just about get your free CEUs because what are the companies that are promoting doing? They're, 
they're they're promoting and selling themselves too, right? Yes. That was always my argument, but I didn't get very far compared to recruiting for for some reason, and and that's probably why I've been maybe one of the one of the first recruiters to be on this podcast is because recruiters have such a bad rap. I know. Yeah. In any industry, and that I'm you glad go you're in. here because because I want to address some of them. And, and I, <laughs> or maybe and you can dispel some of them. Yeah, and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, and I have some great content for you. But you know, but social media became my open door, and what I what I started to do was I started to push out very regularly, and then once I got banned from posting in a few of those more popular groups, I started my own group, and yes. then I was just promoting the groups. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, if you want to find out about jobs opportunities and other things, and I was very strategic as to who goes into those groups, coding professionals and a few other companies that are going to post about CEUs and different things, allow them to come into the group so they can add more content than just jobs, and that's how I was really able to survive as a recruiter. And that's what really kept me to be a peak performer and pushed me to be a peak performer within those six months. And, you know, this is the thing, and I've actually got some flack from my former recruiters in the past. And what was interesting was when you're doing something and when you're making waves or changes at your organization, at first, everybody's going to hate and criticize you. And then they're going to kind of lean in and give you accolades, and then they're going to start doing exactly what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. So what we were able to do was we were able to help some people that had never made six figures in their careers start making six figures by doing the same strategies. I was not just like, hey, social media is mine, hands off. They were looking at me and saying, Bertram is doing fantastic. Let's go ahead and, and invest in LinkedIn licenses. So other team members got LinkedIn licenses, and and other people started doing social media. And that's the thing, like, what? How many millions of people, like I think LinkedIn said they have like 600 million people on their platform. So even if I know one of the groups for, for HIM has, has over 50,000 people, I cannot recruit 50,000 people by myself. So it was a really good opportunity for the company. And I really appreciate them for allowing me to, to run with that ball and continue to invest in the recruiters and the team members that we're really able to make some yeah. moves. The, the Facebook thing, uh, so... I've always told the story, but that's, we have a similar path. So when I first started, you know, I guess medical coding geek and tutoring, um, I, I didn't realize how, uh, before ICD 10, how, how, how many medical coding groups there were, I kind of stumbled into it and it was, um, Lori Woods who kind of took me in and, uh, into her group uh and and i kind of started let, let me see how i can uh and i was aware of the of the rules right the rules that you can't uh spam and promote but there are ways of going in it in such a way and i i'm actually promoting this for other people to do it too is you get in a group where the rule is not to spam but you go into the group and you post so many responses and replies and you help people in the group to the point that where you get noticed. And I, I set my profile in a way that it led to the marketing funneling. So you, you go to your profile and then, and then in, in, when they look at my profile, they say, okay, medical coding geek. Oh yeah. They, then the connection makes happens and then they connect to me that way. So many people were reaching to me because of what I was doing in the groups, in the, as the, as the term is engagement, I was engaging a lot in the groups trying to help people. And, and I think when you there engage, you, you are really, in, in, in essence, marketing yourself. 
by giving that advice. Right. So eventually it was to the point that I had so many people coming to me that I, I decided let me just make my own group, you know, the same way you did. Uh, make your own group, make your own rules, make your own uh, establishment. And, and and gosh, what was that, 2015? And then 10,000 members later, I you know, I have my group and other groups as well. So um, for those that, and I, I've, I've, I've had communications, and I'm the person who kind of deletes the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the spamming. Uh, if they're self-promoting, mm-hmm. but then I go to them. I said, "Look," and I, I'm actually even offering, like, "Why did you remove my post?" I said, "Well, because it's it's a rule, and I want to keep the conversation clean." And I told them the same the same thing. Look, if you're going to promote, promote through engagement, uh, and put your business in your profile, so that way, if they know who you are and you're good a good engager, right. they're going to come to you. And eventually, through right. time and effort, you're going to create your own group. Uh, you're going to create your own following. Correct. And I think when you do it organically, uh, that's that's versus forcing it. You know, there's a lot of things. And especially I've, and I, I could talk to about some recruiters that kind of force <laughs> the the position or kind of blindly asking away without knowing the person. I could talk about that. Um, but, yeah, that's that's some of the things that, we, you know, I had encountered in terms of creating my own group. And you've created your own group as well. Yeah. It's all about um, long game versus short game. You know, a lot of folks are just looking to go in and be like, oh, I don't know, posting a job and you have the experience. Boom, let's go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Versus, hey, you know, you can, if you're interested, you can go to this link or you can follow our page. And that's the thing. I think now we're finally getting smarter about how to utilize social media because let's say I reach out to that person in a comment and I say, send me your resume and they're not a fit versus them actually following our company page. Mm-hmm. If they follow the company page or if they follow the group, they will continue to see the postings and then they may find a position that's, that's better for them. So whether it's, you know, recruiters or SMEs and HIM professionals, don't be scared to start your own group. Everything and every mm-hmm. great movement first started small, mm-hmm. you know, I, if we may remember the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. movement didn't just start 2020. It was actually years ago, Yes, but mm-hmm. it was kind of like shot down and, oh, you know, not really a thing. And now what happened? It really became a thing. And I'm telling you, I don't believe it just kind of like sparked up because of things that actually happened as a recent. They were still chugging along. They were still trying to get themselves associated. So you, it all starts um, somewhere and we all have to start off very small. But just think about any subscriptions that we have. I get emails from the same companies or from the same restaurants telling me about their pizza. Why is that? Because I like their pizza. And they're spamming me every day about pizza, but, but, it, but I accept it because I like their pizza. Mm-hmm. So if, it's, if you're doing it in another group, it's likely spamming. If you're doing it in your group, people have signed up for it. And actually, that's what they yeah. want to hear about. They yeah. want to hear about, oh, Brian, I can't take that, that CE course this weekend, but actually... September just works best for me. So I can actually attend. I can, I can, I can be a part of it. Yeah. It starts small. Like I, I created my own, um, from this podcast, I created my own podcast group and, uh, it's really small. It really is. It's only like 300, 500 people. And, and I, I kept it small because I wanted to, to see who were the loyal listeners were. You know, because mm. uh, even though you have like and we could talk about social media all day, you could have like 10,000 people. But, you know, really, at least the figure that I've understood in marketing is about 10 percent. If you can get 10 percent out of your whole of the whole people that follow you, you're doing good. Mm. Uh, so 
like 300, yeah, 500 people in my group. And I keep it intimate. I think when you, when you keep the conversation intimate with your people, then they will get closer to you and they will follow you. Uh, and whatever content that you create, whatever job that you promote, they'll be they'll be inclined like, oh, Bertram, I'm going to share that. Uh, I might know somebody, you know, over here for that job or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, I think when you create intimacy uh, with the people that who who truly, I guess, see what you're trying to do. And what your purpose is all about. That's what's going to happen. And that's a, and that's another thing. I know a lot of folks are scared to, to start or let's say, you know, even doing a podcast or getting on video or doing anything. Yeah. But one thing I've realized about recruiting um, is that sometimes the reason why people respond to my post compared to when a coworker would post a job mm-hmm. is that they would know me for recruiting. Bertram is usually, you know, sending out a job or he, he point, he gives us resume tips or he, he does this or he does this when another person may post a job and it could even be like same type of format wording, apply here or go here to find out more information. But why don't they apply to that person? I've asked recruiters, sorry, I've asked coding professionals and what they've said is, well, Bertram, I know you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know who you are. I know the company you work for. I know about the benefits and stuff. I've just been it hasn't been the right time, but I'm applying now, but, but it's the right time. And sometimes, you know, recruiters are kind of jealous. So we ask, oh, are you working with anyone else? Not because we're jealous, but because a lot of times recruiters like myself, we want to understand what opportunities you're, you're really looking for. And then folks would be like, well, no, Bertram, I'm only talking to you. And I said, well, you know, if it comes to the point where you're in, the, you know, you're in a fork in the road, I just want to know that I'm one of the options, but um, thank you. And I, and I appreciate it. I mean, I'm going to try my best to to find an amazing opportunity for you. But just getting out there and putting yourself out there when people actually know you, it's not even just about business, but it's going to just really help you, anyone to build a, a really great and honest and professional yeah. relationship. I, I, I totally agree that the fact that if you're going to promote, even if you're working for a company, promote yourself. People oh, yeah. are going to know, who, they want to know who you are before your business or whatever opportunity, whatever purpose that you have. They want to know who you are. And if you're not showing, if you're not revealing who you are, they're, they're not going to be inclined to approach you. Uh, right. Even in, in conferences. Oh, yeah, I listened to your podcast. And, and the reason why I make this podcast, is because I didn't I want to reveal the veil of, of what I mm-hmm. think uh, and, and, and how I communicate with people. Like, like the way I communicate with you, if you if you saw me for the first time, this is the exact type of person you'll get. You know, there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing hidden, you know, exactly. about it. You, what you see is what you get. And I think if you portray yourself that way, that's how I was, you know, when I first started my CDI career. I am not like, you know, I'm not trying to be somebody that I'm not. And and then like, mm-hmm. if I don't know, I'm going to say, I don't know if I need help, if I need help, uh, I'm going to show off my personality because I think when you are, and you can probably attest this when you're recruiting or when you're interviewing somebody, the ultimate piece in, in making the decision is the personality. <laughs> Cause I've, Very I've true. actually interviewed, you know, somebody and they're all great people. They have all of the credentials. They have all of the education. But then the question was, did you like that person? What did you think that person, how, you know, how was that right. person? Did, will that person fit with us? Did they crack any jokes? <laughs> are they lighthearted or are they light, yes. lighthearted or are they really serious? You know, do they fit within our team? And I think personality, if you're showing your personality and that, that's the thing that 
I'm really trying to promote with with everybody. Show your personality. You know, in right. I think in the HIM field, there's a there's it's tense. I feel kind of it's tense in a way that they want to uphold being professional. You know, right. and yes, you can be professional, but yes, you can be a cool Humor. person. You know, humorous. <laughs> you can you know you, you can be entertaining. You know that. Right. So those are the things that that. I, you know, for me, you know, hey, get out of your shell. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to communicate. Don't be def- don't be afraid to share who you are. Correct, correct. I would actually say and uh, go on the limb to say I think more people actually lose job opportunities due to cultural fit rather than credentials. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm talking about qualified candidates. Mm-hmm. You know, so like let's say everyone has three years of experience and the credentials needed. What is going to make the hiring manager's decision or the team's decision to hire the person that they chose? Um, yes, it could, it could be money. Yes, it could be experience, but it usually comes down to one thing that I talk to the hiring managers and it's about cultural fit. Mm-hmm. I have somebody right now and I'll tell you honestly, they were not the most highly credentialed person that can really do everything. But I had the most interesting conversation with the hiring manager recently and he said, Bertram, this person would be a great cultural fit for our team. They manage okay. the exact same way that I manage. And it's not that the person is looking for somebody like them. But they can understand how that person would probably process the issues that they're having in their department. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away because what are we thinking? We're thinking, oh, if one person has 10 years and another person has seven, the one with 10 and the more credentials or better credentials is going to get the job. He's more leaning toward the person with a little bit less uh, experience right now. So I'm watching the and you you mentioned the the 90s, uh, you know, Chicago Bulls. So I'm watching the the last is it the last dance uh, with Michael things, Jordan yeah. on Netflix, so I didn't have the ESPN, so I finally watching it on Netflix. And you make a good point, and where I'm at the point where they, um, uh, well, I guess the story is without really revealing it, but it's, it's how they built that 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 1990s mm-hmm. uh, championship team. And you know, you you talk about Michael Jordan, then you talk about Scottie Pippen, and then I think I'm wrap, I think I just wrapped up uh, Dennis Rodman. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they had what Bill Cartwright, uh, Paxton, uh, mm-hmm. Horace Grant, uh, those people. So it's it's when when they were recruiting them, you know, did they fit? You know, I, I know Dennis Rodman had a very <laughs> they had a history with them because because <laughs> I oh, yes I just finished the one where they they um I think at the point where you know Chicago was really really getting into the you know the, the finals, but every time they they met up with the Pistons, the Detroit Correct. Pistons. The bad boys of basketball, they would lose. And so every year they make recruitments, they make change. And I think it was the last one where they finally got decided, you know, if if they're going to beat us up, we might as well, you know, get into weightlifting and make those adjustments. Um, so, you know, and and the fact that, you know, after all of that, they recruited Dennis Rodman. <laughs> because, Correct. And it's the same thing when you talk about, you know, the the fact that if they – if they, 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 whoever the opposing team is, and I'm, I'm, let's get into competition for a second after that, is, you know, the Chicago team fought against the, or played against the Detroit Pistons, and on Detroit, and the Detroit Pistons was Dennis Rodman. Later right. on down the line, they recruited Des- <laughs> Dennis Rodman on their wow. team. Uh, somebody was on the opposing team onto their team because they felt that that's what they needed to Correct. move forward so and you mentioned like you know you can't burn bridges but i you know i feel the same way and uh, at some point you know there is uh at a point where everybody and anybody you deal with even with students even yourself even myself whoever it may be it may be somebody 
who currently you're here, but then that person's here, but it could always right. flip the script and where later on they could be your boss. Um, true. And I've always, uh, there was one point where I said, uh, don't burn bridges, just charge a toll. <laughs> just mm-hmm. charge a toll for somebody to cross. Eventually down the line, they'll need you. And, and then from there, it'll be more of a business transaction. So let's talk about competition, man. That's, that's the one thing that I, um, there's a lot of recruiters out there, right? Yes, there is. And my question is, how do you set yourself apart? Not, not, just, not just you, but in terms of just anybody. Maybe a recruiter could be listening because I'm sure there are a lot of people in Tampa who's going to listen to this podcast. Every t- or, or if I put this on, on LinkedIn, Tampa people, St. Petersburg are going to be listening, watching this. Correct. So there might be a recruiter out there amongst a sea of recruiters. The same thing as coders and, and HIM professionals. How do you, how would you set yourself apart from the competition? And Bertram will answer that question next week as we go into the second part of our interview. So thank you, Bertram, for being part of the podcast. You can check him out on all social media platforms, including Instagram, Facebook, Facebook groups, LinkedIn. But most importantly, go to his website, Renown Talent, R-E-N-O-W-N talent.com. Calling geek.com.